Hello and welcome to this episode of Helpline on Feed, Play, Love. Today we're joined by expert, mothercraft expert, Chris Minogue. Chris has been helping families in Australia for over 30 years, so there aren't many things and situations she hasn't heard that she can't help with. So if you have a question for Chris, there are a number of ways you can ask them. Firstly, if you're watching us via Facebook Live, you can pop your question below in the comments, or you could email us. If you're listening via podcast, you can email us at helpline at theparentbrand.com.au. Another way you could get involved with Helpline is joining our Helpline group on Facebook, which is a great place you can pop your questions there or direct mail us. So there's lots and lots of ways you can get in touch. And in fact, we do have quite a few questions that way today. So Chris, hello, how are you? I'm really well, thanks. How are you? Great, thank you. And good to have you with us. We'll start off with a question we have from Marvi from our Helpline group. She says, my just two-year-old has generally always self-settled well, but we're running into problems now that seem to have become a habit over the last couple of weeks. He's up at 7am with a day sleep from 12.30 till 2.30. He will sometimes skip this if he's really fighting it, but does take a while to go to sleep most days. He's probably only sleeping uh, for an average of one and a half hours as he mucks about for a while. I always have to wake him up. Bed is at 7pm and we usually don't hear a peep until 7am. But lately, he started to scream and cry at bedtime until we go in, then stops immediately and is happy. We've tried all the tricks, explaining what's happening ahead of time, not engaging him when we go in, not picking him up, lying on a separate bed to him until he's nearly asleep, white noise, lots of cuddly toys with him, etc. But on most occasions, when we try to slip out of the room, he starts up again and it's relentless. We've had the same bed routine since birth, so it's predictable. And he goes to bed happy until we leave. Then it's a screamathon. I really don't I really don't want to get in the habit of staying in there with him until he falls asleep every night, but that's where we're at at the moment. Please help with any advice. Thanks so much. So this one's really common when um, we need to adjust the time frames in the day. So there's the knockout part is because this has been happening for a couple of weeks, there'll be a bit of behavioural things. But I think if we change the timing, he'll go to sleep quicker and we can change the behavioural things. So he's doing really well, as in that he's sleeping all night, but he's doing the typical thing when we need to look at those time frames as he's mucking around going to sleep. So not crying, but just not going to sleep either. So if he was up at seven, I think you're putting him down at the right time, about 12.30. He should be up at two. And then you should go to bed at 7.30. So I think the key thing here is that regardless of how much sleep he's had between 12.30 and 2, you need to get him up at 2 and then put him down at 7.30. So there needs to be five and a half hours between that get up and the go down in the evening to get a much smoother transition. And I think what that will fix is all those things that you need to do in the evening that can later down the track become more difficult to break, especially the laying on the bed. So I think if you adjust the timing today and put him down at 7.30, so take him into his room at 7.30, I think what it would stop is the fact that you have to physically be there till he goes to sleep. And of course, that's going to help him learn to settle on his own. So 12.30 to 2, to the max and down at 7.30. And pretty much, I think it will solve a lot of what's going on for him. 
Brilliant. That's a very simple tweak. I know. Their schedule. Very good. Yeah. This next email comes from Tara. She says, my son is four and I'm wondering what to do or say, because when we see other adults and they say hello to him, he just retreats in himself, hides behind me and won't talk. I've never been one to make him say hello back as that's just awkward for the other adult. He's always done it. And I always put it down to him being shy and that he'll grow out of it. And maybe he still will. I just feel like he's coming across as rude. I'm not worried about any other traits and he's friendly and talkative at his kindy. And once he's comfortable with other adults, what's the best thing to do or say to him to help in these situations? Look, I think this is pretty common that kids hug the back of your legs when they're they're sort of everything is too fast so those movements are too fast and as she said you know he's really comfortable at daycare and when it warms up he wants to chat to people so let's give him that time to be able to do that so the 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 only thing I'd do as a preemptive is maybe when you're getting him out of the car because you're going to see a friend you just remind him you know Jane's going to say hello let's say hello back but not force it And the other thing to do is let him hide behind you. Um, And then when he's ready, say, okay, now say hello to grandma or whoever it is that he's doing it. So I think it's just too fast, too much for him. He hasn't quite got his bearings. He's not sure if he wants to engage with that person. So let's give him a little bit of time, but you could do a gentle reminder as you're getting him out of the car or as they're arriving to the door and, and just remind him, we look up and we just say hello back. And then I think in time, he'll just start doing it automatically. Yeah. And it's, it's a, it'd be a pretty unempathetic adult that would yeah. think that's rude. Absolutely. You can only I tell when so. a kid's being shy, can't you? Yeah. And they, and I think loads of kids at this age, I don't even think it's about shyness. It's just about, it's just too much for them. They mm. have, and you know, if we come into a room, say at a conference, we stand back a little and we sort of survey it a little and then we work out where we're going to sit or who we're going to talk to. But sometimes with children, we're right on top of them as soon as they come through the door. And I think they just get a little bit, oh, that's too much for me. And just give him those few minutes. And I think you'll be surprised at how he comes around and engages with the person who's arrived. Our next question comes from Steph on Facebook Live. She says, hi, ladies. I have a two two and seven month old two years and seven months old, who has recently been waking up from his day nap really cranky. The crankiness lasts for hours. He wakes up in the morning around 6.30 or 7 and then naps around 12.30 until 2.33 and bedtime is around 7. Is it the nap that's causing the grumpy behaviour? Should we drop the nap? Uh, No, I don't think I'd drop the nap. Um, I think it's probably the way he wakes up. You know, like some people just take longer to wake up, but he has a lot of sleep for his age and he might be in a very deep sleep when he's either woken and so he hasn't properly woken up himself. Um, For his age, what is he, two and seven months, he's definitely coming towards the end of needing a sleep in the day. Um, So I think I would put him down at 12.30, that's right, get him up at 2, put him down at 7.30, that'll just regulate his sleep for you. Um, and let him wake up slowly. So when you wake him up at two, just leave the door open, just leave the blind open, let him wake up or they may even come out and they need to sit on the couch for a little bit and just slowly wake up, Um, maybe even have a snack to give them a bit of energy. And I think it's just that they're in very deep sleeps when they wake up. Um, I'd hate to think it's temperament, 
But I think if it was temperament, you'd see it at six o'clock in the morning. It seems like you're only seeing it at 2.30 in the afternoon. So I don't think I would get rid of the sleep, but I'd just decrease it a little bit and give him more time to wake up. Annalise on Facebook says, this couldn't come at more perfect timing. I've had a very rough morning with my three and a half year old. We're feeling for you there, Annalise. That sucks. Um, for For the last few weeks on and off, he's been having huge tantrums where he screams as loud as he can, where he also goes extremely red and has been stomping his feet. He has sleep issues most night, but refuses nights, but refuses a day sleep. I have him booked into a pediatrician for his sleep next month, but it should, should it also be something I look into further for behavior or is it normal for his age? I'd say tantrums are pretty normal for his age. So it's weird the tantrums moving around. Um, Okay. So the tantrum from what we hear is around the sleep behavior. Does that sort of sound right um i'm trying to make the connection between going to the pediatrician for the sleep and the tantrum yeah he's not having a day sleep it sounds like he's been refusing his day sleeps yeah and then he's not sleeping well at night so is that making him so uh refusing the day sleep i think is perfectly fine for a three-year-old but maybe what's happening is because he's not sleeping well at night Um, he's still tired in the day. So depending on what that night problem is, I would probably suggest, because there's some issue around what's going on at night, is maybe just doing a gentle 20 or 40 minute sleep in the day. Something that won't interfere with him going down, but something that might just take the edge of the level of overtiredness. So maybe between one and two in the afternoon, He just has 20 minutes, 40 minutes sleep. It could be on the lounge. It could be incidental. could be accidentally driving him and he accidentally goes to sleep. And what that might do is just take the edge off it and decrease the intensity of tantrums. So tantrums in three-year-olds are usually getting less because they've got more verbal skills. So if you involve them in their verbal skills, they should decrease the intensity of the tantrums. But three-year-olds have tantrums. But I think in this case, if his nights aren't great and he's giving his days up, his day sleep up, he's probably a bit overtired. So I would give him back his day sleep, but probably no more than 40 minutes or 45 minutes um, until you see your paediatrician about what might be going on at night. Mm. Yeah, it sucks when they're hard. They can be very hard work, our lovely little three-year-olds and toddlers. This question comes from Tanita in um, from our Facebook inbox. She says, hi, I'd love some advice about breastfeeding and pacifiers. My 11-week-old is in the habit of feeding to sleep. Would I be better off trying to introduce a pacifier, dummy, or continue to be a human pacifier until Bubs is old enough to self, self-soothe? Thanks in advance for any advice. Okay, so the longer that we feed to sleep, you the, lo- the more the behavior is learned, okay? So if you end up feeding to sleep, I think that self-soothing won't ever happen because the breast is in the mouth at this age. So we're not talking about a newborn, we're now up to 11 weeks. And the pattern for the 11 week olds in general would be a simple pattern of feed, play, sleep, okay? So there's a distinction between the ability to feed effectively and teaching them a bit more about how to settle or self-settle depending on 
how you just how you put him to sleep. So he should feed around three to three and a half hours during the day. So if he started in the morning and he woke up at seven and he had a breastfeed, he roughly checking on tide signs would be awake about an hour and a half, maybe a little less, maybe a bit, little bit more. Once you get those signs for um, tiredness, such as uh, disengaging, turning the head, that low level whinging, jerking movement, that frustration of that baby, not mistaking in that for a feed cue and then making that a sleep cue. So then I would pick him up, probably swaddle him, cuddle him, go into a room, dim the room, um, not black bat cave dark, but dim the room, then actually put him where you want him to sleep. So put him down. So you're saying, you know, mummy's put you in your bassinet or your cot or wherever it is. And then put your hands on him and try and settle. Now he's going to sort of get more agitated at that point because he's used to sucking to go to sleep. So once I've body rocked him or a little bit or um, patted him a little bit, then I would offer the dummy, okay, as a way of getting him to self-soothe. And it is part of the structure of settling the baby, okay? If he spits it out and he cries, pick him up, give him a cuddle, calm him down again, put him down pat rock for a few minutes then put the dummy in and see if we can change that behavior from sucking on the breast to um, understanding and self-settling okay that's the majority of babies for his age group um, if you continue to feed to sleep which is effectively what's happening you need to be aware that that's the signal he's getting and if you're happy to do that then fantastic and away you go but that will be his method of settling so it's a good time to sit back and just rethink about what it is that you'd like him to do moving forward. But that's how I would start it. Amy on Facebook Live says, how do you break the overtired cycle with a five-year-old? Mm-hmm. Goes to sleep about seven with no issues, but does multiple wakes, kicks, covers up, off, so wakes up cold and is up on the dot of five already acting grumpy and hyper. Any later going to bed, she still wakes up at 5 a.m. When she gets 11 hours sleep, she is the perfect child, but is just not getting that. We seem to be stuck in a cycle. I th- yeah, this is a cycle. So if you think of a five-year-old, they're probably getting up between 6 and 6.30, which is probably where they want her to be when she does the 11 hours. But they would be going to bed later. So mm. they'd be going to bed. I would say between 7.30 or starting at 7.30, but may not even be asleep by eight. So I think she is in this terrible pattern of overtiredness and it's probably got to do with the cues that she gets overnight when she wakes. So does that require someone being in there with her? Does that require, um, you know, someone laying down, talking to her, all of those sorts of things? She's definitely probably waking because she's overtired. But this is a cat and a mouse, mouse act. Like, which one do you correct? So I would say for two days, I would get her back to sleep overnight as much as possible to hit the six o'clock window. Whether that means someone sleeps in the room with her and break the level of overtiredness first and then break the pattern of behaviour about what's associated when she wakes up overnight. So I think you have to step back in this one. And if that means that someone sleeps in the room, but not necessarily in her bed, but in the room, and she goes into the room, but she sleeps better with that reassurance, that's how you break it. But then you've got to change the behaviour. And I probably would try putting it to bed around 7.30. 
Okay. Good luck, Amy. This one comes from Alice on Facebook Live. She says, hi, ladies. We are having issues with tantrums over the front door every day. And the child is 19 months. We try and explain we can't go out the front door right now because it's dangerous as we don't have a front fence. And mommy dad and daddy can't come with you right now. He can go into the backyard anytime he likes. All the toys are out there. Not sure what it is about the front yard. It's driving us insane. As soon as he sees the door, he wants to go out. We've also tried giving him other options that work a little. For example, we can look out the window or we can go and play with the dogs Sometimes this works, but others he's just so strong-willed and he wants to go out the front. <laughs> he's going to be an adventurer, Alice. He's going to be an explorer. <laughs> I think in this one, I mean, it's not unusual, but a 19-month-old wants to do it their way. So I think you're doing the right things in that you're trying to distract him out of that behaviour as much as you can. But when push comes to shove and he's just got it in his head about going out the door, I'd sort of go out the door. <laughs> and um, and see what he wants. Like the one thing we don't know is what happens when he goes out the door. Does he just want to play on the step? Does he does he race off without you? So the first thing I do is work out what happens when he goes out the door. Is he just pushing your buttons because everyone's saying no, you can't go out the door? So maybe deflating what's outside the door might stop the behaviour. And actually saying, okay, we're going out the door, take him by the hand, go out the door, we'll stand on the doorstep and just watch the cars go past for a little bit and then you'll probably get him back inside. So is it the argument about going out the door and his will against your will or is it that he just needs to go out the door and find out what goes on? If it's too dangerous to go out the door, like if he could run away and it, it is dangerous, then I'd probably just say to him, well, you need to sit in the pram and we'll go out the door. And I just sort of take away the mystery of going out the door. And I think after a day or two, he'll just stop wanting to go out the door. I think this is purely about what happens when he goes out the door or he's fighting you. So in this case about the door, I give myself five minutes and take him out the door and see yeah. what happens. Because I think once you deflate the mystery, he won't want to go out the door anymore. Mm, interesting. They're funny little creatures, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> this question comes from Belinda from our Facebook inbox. She says, my almost three-year-old sticks out her lower lip and stomps away for a sulk in a corner or sometimes a big cry whenever any something doesn't go her way. Sometimes she becomes aggressive and shouts or throws toys. What do we do? Do I ignore her behavior or chat to her about feelings when she's sad or angry? Well, first I'd let her experience the feeling. So if she's happy to sulk in the corner and have a bit of a cry about it, that's okay. And then later down the track before you go to bed, I might go back and reflect about why that happened, you know. Why did you feel sad when mummy took the knife off you as you were running down the hallway? <laughs> but I also think we use the words, but three-year-olds are already confused about those big emotions that they're feeling. Probably the only one I'd really, if she has a full-on tantrum, then I'd probably deal with that one. But if she's quite happy to go off and have a sulk and sit in the corner and self-regulate herself and bring herself back into it, I actually don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. And when she comes in, if she brings it up, then you can engage with the story um, or not. If she doesn't, then I'd just reflect later on. I'd sit on the bed with her and reflect about, you know, what made you feel 
frustrated. I don't necessarily think the sulking and crying is a sad thing, but it's definitely a reaction to a frustrating thing probably because it probably was instigated by someone saying no. You know, mm. no, you can't do that, so off they go. Whereas if it was someone who'd come over to play and they'd taken her toy from her and she'd gone and done it, then I think you can reflect and say, you know, sometimes we have to share. So you can then bring that experience back to her and give her the skills that she needs to, to move through those, those periods in time. But I actually think we need to also be um, aware that she's having a moment on herself. So imagine as an adult that we did, needed to have go and just stamp our feet in the corner and shut the door for a minute, which, you know, loads of parents want to, and you go and do that. But, the, but the, somebody keeps knocking on the door saying, but how are you feeling? <laughs> that would suck. Yeah, well, you, sometimes you just need the moment, don't you? You just need yeah. the moment and you get through the moment and then later you can say, okay, just having a bad day, re yeah. sit down, re-go through it. So try not to overthink it. If she's handling it, that's really good. And and reflect later and I'm sure all of all of the behaviour she's doing are age appropriate. And she's allowed mm. to have her feelings and they're big feelings. Yeah, they are. Thanks, Belinda, for your question. This one comes from Rani in our Facebook inbox. They say, I have a four-year-old that has seemingly had an attitude adjustment for the worst lately. She hasn't changed at home, but I've been told she's chucking tantrums and bullying other children at daycare and kindy. I'm not sure what to do and how to help if I'm not witnessing this myself. What should I do? I think the interesting thing is it's only happening in care, like daycare or preschool, whichever version she's having, and that she's not doing it at home. So the first thing I think I would sit back and reflect is what might be going on for her that's moved her suddenly to these emotions? And maybe it's that she spends a lot of time in daycare and, and kindy and that's just a bit overwhelming and is there the chance of maybe picking her up earlier just on a couple of days just to give her a little bit of out so I think we do ask a lot of little people that have to go to daycare and I know that loads of kids have to go to daycare but sometimes that just gets a bit overwhelming for them obviously you've spoken to the um, preschool teachers and the daycare teachers and I, I would be really aware of who she's playing with and get an update every day and see if they can manage what might be going on for her. But I think this is a moment where I'd be reflecting back and saying, why is it overwhelming for her to be at daycare three days a week or four days or five days or how many of the days? Because at the moment it's not working. Mm. I think you'd have to work with the preschool teachers and the daycare carers to work that out because most children do it the other way. So most children are very, very good at daycare and they come home and unload on their parents for the next two and a half hours about it. And the fact that she's actually calm and relaxed when she's at home with you and she's unloading at daycares or at care, probably the first step I'd do is just pull that back if you can a little bit and see if that changes the behaviour because she'd be able to talk to you and then work with the carers as to why it's only happening in those situations. Is there something else going on? Is there somebody else around her that's irritating her day and she's lashing back out at it? I think this one's a bit more complex because it's actually the reverse of the normal. 
Mm. So I'd be yes. working with them a little bit more and maybe if you get the chance, even to pick her up an hour earlier might make the difference in her day. Yeah. Good luck, Rani. This one comes from Chris on Facebook Live. Chris says, hello, I have a five-year-old boy and a three-month-old boy. And we've been dealing with some heavy sibling jealousy. It also caused a regression in the five-year-old's bedtime routine because now he doesn't want to be alone and wants to sleep in my room like his brother. Any suggestions? Fair enough. Um, Any suggestions? So I think the big one that I usually do when there's such a big age gap between them is remember that that five-year-old has had all of your attention all of the time. And so the first thing I would do is I'd create a picture book of all the things that you did for him in the first year of his life, like bathing him, taking him for a walk, feeding him, feeding him solids, all of those sorts of things, cuddling him. So that in the moment when it's hard for him, when you're doing those for a three-month-old, you can actually reflect back and say, see, mummy needed to do this for you. So that's one thing I'd do. So sometimes pictures work better than words, um, louder than words. The second thing I'd be very conscious of is um, their days are big and busy and a three-month-old's life is very different to a five-year-old's life. And we need to give them time to be in the same space together because they're not playing, nor will they play in the same way. So I would do things once that three-month-old has been fed and is having some quiet time on the floor. I'd sit near the three-month-old but not engage the three-month-old and I would engage the five-year-old. So playing a game of Uno with them or Snap or matching with them and the three-month-old's just over here but not getting any real attentions just within the space and you're giving the attention to the five-year-old, another really good one, so that the five-year-old sees them all as a family and not necessarily just as individual, that's mummy doing something with the baby or something with me. So that's my other go-to, and I'd probably try and do that twice in a day. And then the third thing, which is the biggest thing, is I'd make sure my three-month-old was probably in bed by seven, and I'd make that a real priority so that between seven and eight, you can have all that attention on the five-year-old. So doing reading with them, um, quiet games, uh, quiet TV, engaging in conversation can all be done when that three-month-old is in bed. So it's really important in this case that that three-month-old isn't crossing over that period of time. Well, I think we've just about run out of time there, but um, Chris, thank you so much for uh, answering all of those questions for us. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much. And I will reiterate that if you um, have joined us for this Facebook Live and you weren't able to ask your question, you can send us an email at helpline at theparentbrand.com.au and we'll be able to answer your question next week or you can join us live next week, same time, same bat time, same bat channel as they say, Chris. Absolutely. (laughs) Well, thank you and have a brilliant week and thank you everyone for joining us. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. Feed, Play, Love is a babyology podcast produced and presented by me, Siobhan Hunt. I'd love to hear from you. So if you'd like to get in touch, email me at feedplaylove at theparentbrand.com.au. See you next time.